Hello, and welcome to Math and Felix on Air, people who create, people who make a difference, coming to you from WordSpace Studios in San Francisco, California. The show is on hiatus for the summer, so I'm digging into the archives for some great episodes from the recent past that I hope are just as relevant and thought-provoking and entertaining now as they were when they were originally broadcast. On today's show, which aired in March of last year, my friend Susan Violante shares how in her 20s she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a chronic autoimmune system-related disorder. Her diagnosis, however, was a long time coming and is an unbelievable story. We talked about Susan's experiences, as well as how she managed the disease into remission and now leads a happy, healthy life. Thanks for listening. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps, and I really appreciate it. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hey, check out my new book, Porcelain Travels, humor, horror, and revelation in, on, and around toilets, tubs, and showers. A number one bestseller in Amazon's travel humor and literary travel categories, and winner of four Solas Awards, including gold for humor. Publishers Weekly called Porcelain Travels offbeat and funny, and CBS travel editor Peter Greenberg called it a very funny book. You can also check out Porcelain Travels' companion podcast of the same name, which features recorded and live readings of excerpts from the book. Porcelain Travels is available in paperback and ebook on Amazon.com and other online retailers. A couple of weeks ago, one of my family members was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And it turns out my dear friend, Susan Violante, who is here with me now, was diagnosed with the disease in her 20s. And although it's come up in conversation many times over the years, and I've gotten lots of bits and pieces of her story, we've never sat down and had an in-depth discussion about it. That is about to change. I was uh, really grateful when Susan agreed to come on the show and talk about her experience, both being diagnosed with and ultimately overcoming Crohn's disease. And when I say overcoming, I mean in the sense of getting it into remission and leading a a happy, healthy life. Uh, Because as we're about to hear, her story is so intense and so incredible, and it's such a testimony to the resilience of the human spirit. Before we start, though, I should introduce Susan. Uh, Susan grew up, grew up outside of Boston and moved to San Francisco for a job opportunity where I was working at the time. That was about 20 years ago. And Can we've been, you believe it? I cannot <laughs> believe it. Time flies. And uh, we've been friends ever since. Susan lives with her husband as well as her dog, Abby, and spends her time between Redwood City, which is just south of San Francisco, and beautiful Jenner, California, which some of you might remember. I mentioned last week is a little hamlet where the Russian River meets the Pacific Ocean. Jenner's about two hours northwest of San Francisco. Susan is a nature lover as well as a longtime biker, hiker, and kayaker, and she also loves to cook. Welcome, Susan. Thank you very (laughs) much, and thank you for that introduction. I'm Really glad to be here. I am so excited that you're here. And I know lots of other people are excited you're here. You know, I joined a whole bunch of face group um, Crohn's disease mm-hmm. groups. And a lot of the people probably wondered what the hell I was doing uh, signing <laughs> On <those> up. Sites. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they let me join. And but but I mentioned that because I got a lot of likes for the mm-hmm. post for today's episode. And of course, I, you know, I let them know that this was the second hour was dedicated to Crohn's disease. But I thought that just spoke to you know, there are a lot of people who are out there and sharing the story is really important. And we'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit later about about sharing your story and why mm-hmm. that's important. But before we get into your story and before we get into, um, yeah, well, like I said, your story, I have to make a correction. Mm. 
I have been spreading misinformation, oh, not no. quite fake news, Uh-oh. but misinformation. It's everywhere now. It's everywhere. You cannot escape it. Mm-hmm. But in my promos for today's shows, I referred to Crohn's as an autoimmune disorder because I know that, you know, the autoimmune system comes up a lot when we're mm-hmm. talking about this. And so mm-hmm. I just assumed that, assumed that it was an autoimmune disorder. But when I was doing research last night for today, I saw in Wikipedia that it says, quote, although the body's immune system attacks the gastrointestinal mm-hmm. tract, Crohn's, quote, does not appear to be an autoimmune disease in that the immune system is not being triggered by the body itself, which I guess is how you technically define an autoimmune disease, is that the, the, the body is, that the uh, body's immune system is being triggered. Mm-hmm. So instead, it's actually an inflammatory bowel disease or IBD. Right. So I just wanted to correct that since, again, in this day and age, I don't want to be one of those people who's spreading misinformation. No, you never want to do that. I will say, though, yeah. that... Um, a lot of people that have Crohn's disease also have other autoimmune okay. disorders. Uh-huh. I am one of those people. Yeah. I have a thyroid condition. I have eczema. I have osteopenia. And they're all kind of um, triggered together. And, and I believe that. And there's a lot of research out there that starts to um, kind of tell us how these things are linked, but yeah. you're right. So thanks for the correction. Yeah. But, 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 but you bring up a really good mm-hmm. point though. So it is whether or not it's technically exactly mm-hmm. an autoimmune, it's all tied together and it's, it's very closely related to the autoimmune system, mm-hmm. whether or not it's technically an autoimmune right. disease. Okay. Exactly. What is uh, osteo? What was that one? I didn't know. I have osteopenia so also, bone which something. is um, a, a bit of bone loss, which can oh, lead okay. to osteoporosis. So I have the beginnings of that, which I hope I can correct yeah. um, and not go to the osteoporosis part. I see. So it's yeah. like pre-osteoporosis mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I had not heard good that term. Good to know term. that you have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good to know. So you can curtail it, right? Exactly. Uh, something else I read on Wikipedia, thank God for Wikipedia, and that I think is a good place to start with your story Mm -hmm. is again, quote, the diagnosis of Crohn's disease can sometimes be challenging. And it says, even with a full battery of tests, it may not be possible to diagnose Crohn's with complete certainty. Colonoscopy is approximately 70% effective with further tests being less effective. But I know that in your case, mm-hmm. diagnosis was a long time coming and it was a long, bumpy road. So do you right. want to take us, can we just start, I guess, with, you don't know you have Crohn's disease yet. Where were you? How old were you when you started noticing something was wrong? Yes, I'll, I'll start there. So can, do you mind if I back up one second no, and go just go it. over the, you know, Crohn's disease is under the umbrella of inflammatory bowel disease and there are there is also ulcerative colitis there's Crohn's disease and there's other kind of inflammatory bowel disease malfunctions if you will and I I am not a doctor I'm not in the medical profession so this is really just my story and my journey Um, through the past 30 years and I'm still learning so we'll talk about all the things that I'm still learning and still researching there's a lot of great information out there Within Crohn's disease, there's five different types. Can I just say, first of all, thank you for making that clarification because that's a really important Mm. one. And that's one I didn't even think to make is that, yeah, we're not doctors. Mm -hmm. We're not experts, even though you're living with the condition. Um, so we should just clarify that for listeners. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you for doing that. Just I didn't to make even sure, think I don't to. want. Yeah. Uh, I think um, everyone has to do their own research, and they're on their own journey. The system symptoms can vary from person to person. Everyone's body's different. Everyone. Food intolerance is different. Everyone reacts to stress differently. 
the triggers are different, the medications are different. And like I said, there's five types of Crohn's disease out there. I have happen to have a most common type, which can be determined through a colonoscopy, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll get to my story. Um, so I was able to get a diagnosis, but like you said, it took a long time. Um, I was in my early 20s, and I was starting to feel not right. I had graduated college. I went off to Europe. I was living there for a while. I came home. I started my career, if you will, um, very, you know, 23 years old. I was starting to feel really sick all the time. I was tired. Um, I started not being able to digest a lot of foods, and I couldn't figure out what was going on with me. I constantly fatigued. Um, Just didn't look well. And then I started losing a lot of weight. I started throwing up and it wasn't my fault. I would eat something I had normally always eaten mm. and I would start to throw up. Yeah. And I kept going to the doctors and they gave me tests for lactose intolerance. And they said, hey, you're lactose intolerant. You also have an iron deficiency. So take the iron pills and then stay away from dairy and then you should be fine. And you have a lot of stress. You know, you're starting out your career. You're living by yourself. You're, you know, in this, this journey of life. So manage your stress. So (laughs) I started doing everything I could, and I've always been athletic, so that is a good way to manage stress. But I started doing everything I could to be aware of the stress I was having, Um, staying away from dairy, taking my iron pills. And this was a two-year process of me showing up in emergency rooms, just sick. Right. So can we can you backtrack a little bit and and get into some of like the specific sort of milestones Mm -hmm. over these two years? Yes. So you said you were 23. You're just starting this this career. Mm -hmm. You've come back from Europe. I think you came back from Italy. Yes. You were in Italy for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. So you moved back to Boston. Right. Was it Boston? Mm -hmm. And you said then you start throwing up. Right. So the first time that's happening, you're thinking that you just have the flu or something. What's, well, so what, what are you happened, thinking at that what point? What happened was, as I came back, I got a job. I started working full time and I was just generally not feeling well. So I wasn't throwing up immediately. Yeah. It was a progressive thing. Right. I started to just be really tired. Because I want people who are listening to kind of yeah, get Got into it. this this level yes of because the you're it's interesting just how subtle it is mm-hmm. and how slowly it came on or, mm-hmm. or maybe it wasn't slowly but how just kind of a step by step it mm-hmm. wasn't overnight right right it wasn't you didn't overnight. just say oh i'm sick go get a colonoscopy and then you knew what was going right, on right actually no so let's go through that right yeah. per- perfect that was that's a great segue cuz no one actually said you need a colonoscopy mm-hmm. no doctor no emergency room and there, there were times where i would have pain in my abdomen and feel so sick that I would take myself to emergency room. And even in emergency room, they would call my primary physician. He would come in and we would look at things, but no one ever said, oh, go get a colonoscopy right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just sent me home and they sent me home with these uh, powdered uh, protein broths, which are bone broths in a powdered form. And those seemed to help. And, you know, it was liquid form of food. So it helped a bit. Um, I didn't know at the beginning I was lactose intolerant. So a lot of my stomach upset was driven from that. Um, But again, it was gradual. It was like you're not feeling well. Six months go by. You finally get to the doctor. They do a lactose intolerance test. And they say, stay away from dairy. And you think your symptoms are going to disappear. Yeah. And they don't. So the first time you went in to the doctor, mm-hmm. it was it was just sort of fluish. You were you mm-hmm. went in because you were actually throwing up at that time. The first time you went in, not at the first not time. Not the first so time. The first time was just it's just tiredness. Maybe yeah. something's wrong with me. Let's do a blood test. 
Oh, you have some iron deficiency. Right. Um, a lactose intolerance blood test is different yeah. than the normal standard uh, blood work that you would do. So after the first time, mm-hmm. you went in, it was kind of inconclusive. They told you just rest, manage your stress. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. How long was it from your first time when you went to the doctor for what was going to turn out to be Crohn's disease? Yes. And the second time you had to go back. Well, I don't I don't remember, Matt, because it was a two year period of constantly going to the doctor. It was just constant. And yeah. constantly um, saying something's wrong with me to people and yeah. then being sent home. It yeah. was like even through a couple of emergency room visits where I just thought there's something wrong with my right. abdomen. Like what is happening? Right. It wasn't appendicitis that they were saying, no, it's not that. And it was, so it wasn't like one, two, three steps. It was a two year period of just this cloud of sickness and I was working through it. How did it get from though, initially Mm -hmm. it was kind of fluish, you were exhausted, you weren't throwing up and things. How did it get from that over this two year period to, oh my God, I got to go to the hospital. How did that happen? Because it's even more interesting given the fact you're already seeing doctors. Yes. Theoretically, mm-hmm. whatever the issue is, you don't know that it's Crohn's yet. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, it's being addressed, but really it's not at all because it's getting more serious. And not only is it getting more serious, it gets so serious, you end up in the hospital. Right. So how do you go from that first visit to going to the doctor repeatedly, thinking you're tackling whatever this problem is from these different angles, mm-hmm. and yet in spite of all these doctor's visits, in spite of all these potential treatments for whatever it is that you're suffering, you still end up in the hospital. Yes. So how did that happen? Yeah. So and what was the specific event where you yes, first there, ended up was, in the hotel? There was or the, a day. The hotel. Yeah. The hospital. <laughs> the, the yeah. really expensive yeah, hotel Yeah, the really expensive hotel. Yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't a specific event. So like I said, but there was a specific day. Yeah, so yeah. It's a gradual two years of me going back and forth and feeling sick and just being told lactose intolerant, you're stressed, you have low iron, go manage yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, to a point where uh, I remember this day, I could not, I was at my mother's house and I had spent the night there and I couldn't lift my head off of the bed. Mm. And I was like a skeleton. I was 86 pounds. And, and what's your normal body weight? What would your ideal uh, back weight be then, back then? Yeah. 30 years ago, let's say. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> was around 110 or so. Okay. So I was... And you said you were down to like 85? 86 pounds. 86 I remember pounds. that clearly. Right. So you were kind of skeletal just, it was, at that point. It was so skeletal. I couldn't lift my head off the bed. And, and I was walking around like a skeleton. But finally, when you can't lift your head off the bed, my mother called the emergency, you know, 911 and got a an ambulance to come down. Right. So the ambulance comes down. I managed to get myself out of the bed looking like a skeleton. And they said, well, you're standing and we're the kind of ambulance that can't take a standing person. So really? we're not going to take you. Really? And we were standing there like, should I just fall? Should I just get my, you know. Right. What can, how do I work how the do system I get to actually there? get the help I need? Yeah. So we jumped in the car. My mother drove me to the hospital that I had been going to where my doctor's associated. We get to the hospital. I get in there. And immediately, they think I had AIDS. So it wasn't one event. I I actually got myself so malnutritioned. And one of the things that happens with Crohn's disease, because it can it can attack your GI tract or your gastrointestinal yep. tract anywhere. Yep. The... Can not, I say that I also read that it's not even just the gastrointestinal tract, that it can, it's anywhere from anywhere. your mouth 
all to the your way anus, down. the all whole the thing. Down. So it's not just the intestines, which, right. which I didn't realize. Right. And mine is where my small intestine meets my colon and, and it gets so inflamed and so red. And one of the doctors, one of the surgeons had explained it to me is it's like a tire that just keeps wearing down and wearing down until you get this really thin uh, layer. And it inflames so much that it closes itself. And that's where you absorb nutrients, you absorb water. Mm-hmm. Um, and vitamins and things like that. And so I wasn't absorbing any nutrients from any food I ate. I was just mm-hmm. throwing them back up because yep. it was almost closed. Yep. And what happened was I became severely maltri- malnutritioned, anorexic without being anorexic pretty much. Why did um, they think you, why didn't they think, for example, that you had anorexia versus why did they think you had AIDS? Because that's a really powerful conclusion. Yeah, to come it was. To. It was an immediate thing that people looked at me. I looked like a skeleton and it was around the time where AIDS was the big thing and yeah, the epidemic it was, was happening everywhere and it was in the media everywhere. So it was the first place they went to. Wow. And so they... I, How did I, you feel when, when they said, we think you might have AIDS? Oh, I How felt did horrible. you feel? I mean, I was with my mother and they closed the curtain they sent her out of the room and they said we think you have AIDS I said I do not have AIDS there's something wrong with my stomach I have been dealing with this for two years will somebody please help me right and um they did the AIDS test anyway they had to rule that out so we did that with a blood some blood work and then they said oh it's not that so it's something else and I literally couldn't function Mm -hmm. I mean I was a skeleton and you're still in the hospital obviously yeah so they admitted me to the hospital and they waited two days to do any kind of test because I was so weak. They didn't know if my heart would just stop if, if the test was too invasive really? or what would they have to do. So they waited two days. And so then, you were really to the point of your life being in danger, obviously. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, yeah. I had people at work think I had anorexia and pull me aside and really <laughs> kind of do this mini intervention. And right. I kept telling people there's something wrong with my and it wasn't my stomach, you know. I, I I kept saying stomach because that's what I thought it was. That's it really was my colon. Pain. Yeah, it was right. really my small intestine and my colon. So let's talk a second about because again, I'm just. I think there are so many parts of your experience mm-hmm. that people who are listening who are going through yeah. can can relate to, and it's not just the medical side of things, mm-hmm. which is so important, but it's also this the, the personal side. So, for example, like we just got done talking about, you know you're in a hospital and they're, they're telling you you've got AIDS and you know you don't have AIDS. Mm-hmm. And so just the emotional, the same thing, I'm just curious about, you're at work, mm-hmm. you're worried about doing a good job, you're focused on your job, and then your coworkers pull you aside and you know you don't have anorexia mm-hmm. and yet they're having an intervention. Mm-hmm. So t- take us as much as you feel comfortable doing into your head because that's got to be just such a mind... I want to say the, you know, I want to drop an F-bomb. That's just got to be such a, so difficult mentally and emotionally because you know you're not anorexic. You know you're not crazy, Mm -hmm. but you've got these people who, to their credit, are trying to help you. They cared about me. They care about you. They're trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. They're worried about you. Mm -hmm. But you know that this problem that they're saying they think you have, you don't have. So what's going on in your head when that happens? Take us through that whole thing. You're at work and what happens? Yeah, you're in your office was, or your cube, and they. Yeah, and so there, there are people. They just kind of surrounded my cube, and this was so long ago, right, and right. it wasn't like this intervention where they had written things that you see on TV <laughs> on that intervention yeah. program. It wasn't anything like that, but they did surround <laughs> my cube. There was like four or five people, and they, they kind of 
said, you know, we know you have a problem. There's something wrong and we want you to get help. And I kept, it was so frustrating because we would go to lunch together and these were, you know, you're in your early 20s. These are your friends. This is like an extent, you know, you're making friends at work. Right. This and is your community. Yes, it yep. is. And so we would go to lunch and I would go right back upstairs and throw up lunch. Mm. I mean, every day. And I mean, they knew was, you were throwing up because it's the it's these common bathrooms. You could bathrooms. hear it. You could hear it. Yeah. And people would know that I'd run to the bathroom and, and I just had a hard time convincing people that it wasn't that. Right. Um, I had some girlfriend's parents that said, you need to get tested for cancer because something is seriously wrong with you. And I, yep. I thought cancer, something's wrong in my stomach. Like I, I would be doubled over with pain. I'd go to the mall and I'd walk around with my sister and I'd just double over in pain and I would have to sit down until the pain went away. You right, know? right. Um, and it was very frustrating and, and I I don't know if it was back then, it was just not as common or, you know, again, I'm not in the medical field, so I'm not sure, but I had all the symptoms. I had not being able to digest food. I was running a low-grade fever all the time. I was uh, had low iron. Um, I was lactose intolerant. And if someone had just done the colonoscopy two yep. years prior, yep. we probably would have said, oh, this is, you know, it's red in there. Something's coming on. I could have seen a gastrointestinal person because the doctors, I got help eventually. Yep. We'll go over that. But um, it's not an easy thing. You can go into remission and remission can come and go. This is a lifelong thing that you right. have to learn to live with. Right. Before, I'm because I'm still curious about yeah. this, the, the whole intervention thing. And, mm. and I, we've talked about they surrounded your cube. So that, yeah. uh, that I, I get. I'm curious, though, you know, when I hear the story about mm. you saying, okay, oh, my God, I don't have AIDS. That's not what's going on. Oh, my God, I'm not anorexic. Thank you for your concern. But yeah. And all these people, every time you're saying no, 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 they're thinking, oh, she's in denial. And you're pretty much, it seems, you were kind of on your own. Yes. So where did you find, mm-hmm. how did you keep your, because, again, I think this is something that a lot of people who are listening mm. might be going through, mm-hmm. variations of this, right, is how do you maintain your sanity? How do you maintain your happiness? How do you maintain hope that even though you have no idea what is really going on and that everyone around you thinks you're crazy yeah. or everyone around you thinks they know what your problem is and it's not actually your problem and they don't believe you, mm-hmm. how do you keep your spirits up and how do you keep going forward? Well, your spirits aren't up. Okay. Uh, they yep. really aren't. Yep. And I was living on my own at that time. I would sometimes spend the weekend at my mother's house just to be in my old bedroom. Um, I would cancel plans. I would make plans and constantly cancel them because I didn't feel well. I would try and make plans and then people would come over and I would just be in too much pain and too weak. And they would, I would say, I can't go like at the very, very, very last minute when someone's at your door. Right. Um, so then did people start to think you were flaky or no, there was a lot of people knew I was sick. It was just like, what's wrong with you? Like, what is this? And I, I do think that, um, I don't, you know, the people that knew me the best knew I, I wasn't in or I was trying to eat. I was trying to do things. The people yep. that were around me the most never went to that anorexic. So you place. had the, some support of I those did. people. I did. Yep. But what yep. could they do? Right. You know, it's like if until I got to that 86 pound day where I couldn't lift my head and I I had to be hospitalized. And right. if, if at that day when I walked into the hospital, I mean, they were running me into an emergency bed they wouldn't take you in the ambulance yes but once you got got so bad and you look gray and like a skeleton 
um, that's when they were like, we have to do tests now. Yep. So it's just unfortunate that you don't like that. You can't just say here, here, this is how I feel. Yep. And then have someone say, what are your others? Like spend more time with you. I guess that's what mm-hmm. I would have loved to have someone or some doctor just spend more time with me sitting down talking through all the list of symptoms and putting them together as one big list. Mm -hmm. Because when I went back after I was diagnosed, immediately bought books. I'm one of those people that buys a book to learn. Right. And I went, I said, oh my gosh, I've had every single classic symptom. I have the most common type of Crohn's disease. How come this wasn't, no one put it together? And is that not probably one of the biggest lessons? Yes. Is the, the need that we have Despite how good, how well-intentioned, mm-hmm. how educated mm-hmm. our medical professionals might be, I think time and time again, I know in my own experiences, I know when my mom had leukemia, yeah. that it still comes down to if you are not taking responsibility yes. for your own health, mm-hmm. then and you might have to be standing up to the doctors mm-hmm. and you might have to be saying, I understand, I appreciate where you're coming from, I, expre- I appreciate your expertise, mm-hmm. but it is my body And, and I kind of know what's going on here. So if we could work together versus, so how did you kind of learn to, to take that, that, that control and sort of speak up and say, Hey, I get that you're the doctor, Mm -hmm. but again, it is my body. And now this is two years into it. I have a lot of experience with what's going on here. How do you find, how do you have that conversation and make yourself heard in those situations? You have to find the right doctor. I, I just feel like, and um, if someone is not willing to even just spend a little bit of time, um, and the doctor has to get to know you too. I mean, mm-hmm. once I was diagnosed, I had really good meetings with my doctors, really good conversations. They gave me names of support groups. They they told me, um, you know, there was a point where, and, and we can get into this too, because after I was diagnosed, there was a period of my whole twenties was in and out of the hospital. Yeah. At Even least after you were diagnosed. Year. Yeah. Because yep. you have this thing for your life and you can have flare ups your whole life. You can be in remission for a long time. Like I have been the, the past, uh, 18 to 20 years. Um, or it can just c- totally come and go. And, for um, after I was diagnosed, all through my twenties, I would be run down. Something would trigger mm-hmm. um, a flare up, mm-hmm. and a flare up just means you know I'm having all the symptoms again. I'm starting to not digest food. I can feel inflamed. Go for a colonoscopy. You can see that it's inflamed. Mm-hmm. You start to eat a bland diet. You are admitted to the hospital sometimes, and every year I was in the hospital for seven to ten days. Every year, every year for, for like all your twenties, basically. Eight years there. Yeah. Um, and when I was in the hospital, people knew what I had. People knew how to treat it. I was on a lot of steroids, um, and I think, you know, that was then. I think today may be different with different medications. Because and again, we're things. talking about twenty-five to thirty years. Yeah, ago Yeah, I mean, this was right. when you, you just got steroids and got pumped with them, and you just felt great the next day. And oh, I you was, did. It made you it, feel it was great. unbelievable. Really? Yeah. And so you just get off food. You're on IV fluids for the whole time you're in the hospital most of the time anyway and you rest your digestive system and you feel great and you because you're not irritating it you're You're not not irritating irritating anything and they could have done surgeries but a lot of what my doctors told me was if we start doing surgeries in your early 20s and you not don't go into remission we could be doing surgeries you end up with a colonoscopy like a colon bag colostomy bag yes Mm -hmm. and so 
the treatment back then was to put me in the hospital, rest the digestive system. Then I come out of the hospital. I eat really bland, a lot of mushy foods that I can digest. um, And I slowly get better. But this is like, you know, in your 20s when you're supposed to be running around doing a million different things. And working was all I could do. And then I had to take these short-term disabilities from Mm. work every single year, Mm. which is a lot of paperwork. And then you have student loans that you have to defer for a period of time and undefer them. Yeah. And it was all paperwork. Yeah. Back then there was no remote access Oh, right. You couldn't just do that online. Yeah. Right. You couldn't do anything online. So there was that period of time where it was pretty bad, you know, where every year I was never feeling a hundred percent or really well. Was work understanding? Very understanding, okay, actually. so you were lucky uh, in that sense. I was really yeah. lucky. Um, it's one of those things that not many people around you are being admitted to the hospital every year. Right. <laughs> and right, so thankfully. at work, I mean, what you have to do at work is really set up your team so that people can take over for you. Yeah. It's not a one-woman show. So you planned for it. You, you basically plan planned it. to be in the hospital yeah. every year. Yeah. That's crazy. Manage the risk. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you've mentioned a couple times, you know, mm-hmm. when I was diagnosed, when I was diagnosed. Yes. So I want to talk about when you were diagnosed, if sure. there's still. But I also have, I have more facts from Wikipedia oh. about Crohn's, but I think you do too. Should okay. I go through my facts or do you have a list go of sort of an overview? You'll you, compliment yeah. anything I left mm-hmm. out or got wrong or what have you. Okay. Since I've already spread some misinformation. <laughs> Uh, so some facts that I found that were interesting, Crohn's disease, I guess we are probably already touched on this first one. I'll just go through them anyway. Crohn's disease is a type of inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, mm-hmm. that may affect part of the, any part of the gastrointestinal tract. So again, that was interesting to me that it's not just the mm-hmm. intestine. It could be anywhere from the mouth to the anus. Mm-hmm. Signs and symptoms often include, and you've definitely touched on this now, abdominal pain, diarrhea, fever, and weight loss. And mm-hmm. you had severe weight loss. Mm-hmm. But other complications that, again, people might not think of, and you kind of touched on a second ago as well, but um, they can occur outside the gastrointestinal tract, may include anemia, skin rashes, arthritis, inflammation of the eye, and tiredness. Mm -hmm. The cause of Crohn's disease is unknown, which is interesting, as is, I mean, that's... That's the case, I guess, with a lot of of diseases, but Mm -hmm. still, it's believed to be due to a combination of environmental, immune, and bacterial factors in genetically susceptible individuals. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of vague. Mm -hmm. Crohn's Mm -hmm. is an immune-related disease, doesn't appear to be autoimmune. We already touched on that. Um, Overall, about half of the overall risk is related to genetics with more than 70 genes found to be involved. Mm -hmm. So I found that Mm -hmm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of genes Mm -hmm. to be involved. There are no medicine, uh, no medications or surgical procedures that can cure Crohn's disease. Now, mm-hmm. you, of course, mentioned surgical procedures that can help mm-hmm. and help get it back into remission, but there is no cure currently. One in five people with the disease are admitted to hospital each year. And again, we just got to talk about how that was a yearly thing for you. Right. And you even planned to be in the hospital, which is just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then half of those with the disease will require surgery at some point over a 10-year period. Right. Uh, we talked about colonoscopies. I guess the last thing to say is Crohn's disease affects about 3.2 per 1,000 people in Europe and North America, less in Asia and Africa, and it tends to start in the teens and 20s, although mm. it can occur at any age. Mm-hmm. And so you got it again in the 20s mm-hmm. is when you started having symptoms, right? Did you have anything to add to my uh, list of facts, or should we talk about your diagnosis no, and how that No, the only thing happened? I would say is people have different severities of it, and I did go to a support group shortly after I was diagnosed and realized that there are some people whose lives are just consumed by this every single day. I actually felt lucky that it was this once a year kind of um, 
trigger uh, and that um, I was having a bad time once a year. So I actually walked out of there thinking, wow, uh, there's some people that are really, really struggling with this. And so the medications that you get depend on the severity of your symptoms, whether they operate depends on a lot of different things. And you said there are five levels or five severities? Types. Types. Um, And I can't even pronounce them. And if I do, I'll just (laughs) pretend to be medical professional, but I'm not. So um, I have a very common type, but it, you know, it just, it depends on the person. Um, Some people can have dairy, some people become lactose intolerant. So it's just it's very individual. Well, you know, one thing I saw to that point is, um, and this is further down my notes, but mm. I said here, I saw here that um, diets, because this was when we were going to talk about mm-hmm. some of the things you do to keep it in remission. One of my notes that I made was they suggest, again, this is from Wikipedia, diets that include higher levels of fiber and fruit are associated with reduced risk. Okay, so they say that high fiber diet is great, but then they say, mm-hmm. however, some people should follow a low fiber diet. As uh, to control acute symptoms, especially fibrous foods, cause symptoms. So I think that just speaks, that's a perfect illustration of how with Crohn's disease and I think a lot of different illnesses, everybody is different. And of course, there are certain yeah. commonalities, but it does come back to what you've touched on, mm-hmm. which is experimenting, mm-hmm. listening to your own body, seeing what works for your body, comparing right. notes with other people, but knowing that what the doctor tells you or what your friend who has Crohn's disease, their experience may not be di- the same. And it might even be very contradictory right. to, to your experience. Right. Which I mean, is interesting. To talking just about that example, um, I asked if diet early on was um, a factor. And back then I was told, no, diet's not a factor, but because you're lactose intolerant, stay away from dairy. Eat a high fiber food, rich in vegetables and fruits. I cannot even digest an apple skin. I wow. cannot digest a mushroom. <laughs> I have problems with high fiber. And they have prescribed that to you. Yeah, I mean, they told me, you know, do and that's a healthy diet for most people. So I get where every everybody's coming from is kind of just eat healthy, eat a healthy diet. Right. Um, but for me, that was the exact opposite. Um, I am much more receptive to a paleo type of diet Mm -hmm. where there's meat, there's vegetables, but the vegetables are soft. They don't have stems. They don't have skins. They don't have, and someone right next to me with Crohn's could be the exact opposite. Right. So so you really have to know, I kept a food journal. Food journals are great. There's actually an app out there now called the GI tracker. Of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? Uh So you could track uh your GI symptoms. Also for me, when I eat dairy, it can be 24 hours later before I have stomach upset. Right. So tracking is really important. It's tedious. It's a pain. But in order to know your body and when things react, uh, there are patterns there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that gets very tricky. Stress is another one. I may take on stress differently than you do. Yeah. So what affects me might not even affect you. Right. So... Stress is not a cause, um, you know, but for me, overloads of stress can trigger this. And, and one of my doctors was really great and just said, you know, you, you need to manage your stress mm-hmm. because I was just doing, trying to do everything, then be sick and try and just ignore it and push through. And it's really one of those things where I always am aware that I have to manage my stress and my colon my small intestine is my weak spot Mm -hmm. so if i start getting a flare-up of any kind i have to assess what's going on in my life yeah for real yeah Uh, that's me it could be different for someone else but those are the things that 
contradict each other a little bit. And, and um, they're, you know, on the Crohn's and Colitis uh, Foundation website, they have a lot of videos that people can read. And nowadays, the, you know, the videos are great and there's webinars and a lot of the the people that speak there will tell you symptoms are different for people. Yeah, yeah. And if the if you know if you modify your diet and it's working for you and your symptoms are reduced, then just keep doing it. That's what you. Yeah. So I'm Listen so to happy today that I didn't have any of that, um, or at least I wasn't directed that way. I saw a nutritionist, um, but they weren't really in tune with a lot of different things. They were kind of it was a standard stay away from dairy, eat more fruits and vegetables again, and it wasn't really working for me yeah, so yeah. you kind of have to take things into your own hands yeah yeah a lot so tell us then about the diagnosis sure yeah so um when i was diagnosed i was so happy <laughs> so i'm laying there in the hospital bed yeah. and they come in and say you know we found out what you have you have right. Crohn's disease I'm like, thank god now what is that right right, right. <laughs> but thank god i have something can that put a I, name to it yeah and, that yeah. yeah i can own it i can research it i started you know where's the book i can buy how do i figure out how to manage this how do i get rid of these symptoms so uh, you know immediately i bought a book yeah and i started reading it i was still in the hospital reading it and learned enough about what was happening to my body to actually think about what some of my triggers might be. That being said, I still every year had these bouts of episodes mm -hmm. where I would actually have to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because there's no cure and there's no really one cause, um, you start to live that way. Live what live, way? Live with this disease. Yeah. And in the early stages, right after I was diagnosed, it was all consuming and it was overwhelming because all I thought about was, should I put that in my mouth? You get afraid to eat. Interesting. You, you Should Interesting. I eat that? Should I not eat that? Um, what should I be doing? Should I be going to work today? Should I not go to work today? Because the ramifications um, are so serious. If yeah. you eat the wrong thing, you might end up back in the hospital. Yeah. Or I thought work is, should I go home today because I'm not feeling good? What should I do? You know, and this culminated over those eight years with... My intestine bursting at work, actually, oh or perforating. I should, I so don't know what how, the medical term is. How did, but how did that happen? How did you know that was happening? Well, so I'm at work one day and I felt this tinge in my colon area. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. This is just another episode, right? Right. So I kind of like had some pain. I got up. I was in Boston at the time, worked in the World Trade Center. And the bathrooms were like way away from where we work because perfect. it was the World Trade Center. Right. So perfect for me. Yeah, perfect for your needs. So I get up and I thought, I'll just go into the bathroom. You know, maybe I have to go to the bathroom. Maybe I just have to relax for a minute. Maybe just walk it off. I didn't know. So I get into the bathroom and I just started, I go into a stall and I just start sweating, just mm -hmm. absolutely sweating. And it was, I was just dripping sweat and i thought something what something's now because that wasn't a normal symptom not a normal symptom i had never had that i was like ripping my shirt off of me because i was so sweaty and i didn't know what was going on and no one was coming into the bathroom and we didn't have iphones then we didn't have any of this <laughs> yeah and you're on the far and I end could of not the get up. floor right i could not get up so you collapsed basically. i was you yeah well, i was sitting on a bench okay mm-hmm and luckily, ladies' rooms have benches. Usually. Ah, I wouldn't so, know that. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, don't have benches. Yeah, yeah. We don't have benches. Uh, we did. And it was, you know, nice big World Trade Center kind of bathroom. So I was waiting, waiting, waiting. I this Someone came in and I said, I was 
by then made it to the stall because I thought maybe I'll throw it up and, and I'll be feel better. Yep. So I'm in there and I heard someone come in. I'm saying, I said, who's that? And they said, oh, Susan, it's me. I didn't know who it was. And I said, can you go get my friend, Sherry? <laughs> and I had this really good friend at work and I said, I need Sherry. You need to get Sherry. And so they, they got my friend. Uh, she came in the bathroom and I, and I opened the door and I said, something's really, really wrong. I need to get home. But I can't drive my car. My car is a stick shift. I'm like, I'll never make it home. What's wrong with me? You know? Right. So at that time, I worked for a company that owned a limo service as well as financial services. Pretty cool. Interesting. So they called, yeah, me, they yeah. called the limo service and they said, we'll have the limo service get you home. Because everyone knew this was at the tail end of those eight years where I was in the hospital back and forth. Yeah. And everyone just thought, oh, she can leave her car here. She's having another episode. We'll get her home and she'll be either go to the hospital or she'll be coming back to work in a week. Right. So I get in the limo, you know, and we're halfway to my house. And I think to myself, this is way different than Mm -hmm. a normal episode. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knock on the glass and I said, hey, can you take me to the hospital instead? The glass of the limo. Yeah, the glass of the limo. And uh, he, this guy turned around (laughs) and I said, "And we need to go to the hospital instead of going home. Yeah. And I mean, looking back on this, I think it's hilarious that a limo pulled up to emergency <laughs> and got right. out and opened the door right. like I right. was some kind of superstar. That's or something. not how most people go <laughs> to the hospital. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With the limo just pulling up there. People ran out, got me in a wheelchair, uh, got me some pain medications. I mean, I was so doubled over in pain. Uh, and because I had had all these episodes, the right doctors come in, the doctors that I know. And now we're in a mode of not what is this? Oh, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know at the time that my intestine had burst. They scheduled emergency surgery two hours after I got there. Wow. And went into surgery really not knowing. Um, but did sign off on taking my appendix out at the same time so I would never have an appendix scare versus a Crohn's scare. That was a... They were explaining that to me and I was in so much pain. I'm like, fine. Just do let's it. Let's do it. Let's just, just do get it. it out. Like, I just wanted whatever's in there out. So emergency surgery, I woke up a new person. Even really? with staples down my, <laughs> I was just like, oh, thank God. Because the it's bad the part the of your intestine had been sweating. removed. Yeah, and the, the poison was, my intestine had perforated. There was just poison running through me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. since that surgery, though, I have been in remission. Yes. I and mean, that was a defining, defining moment where yeah. it got really bad I perforated my intestine and then I had to work on building up again to food and solid food and all of this. But I have since then uh, managing my diet, you know, managing my stress, paying attention to when. Let's talk about that actually in a little bit more detail if we could, because we've got six minutes and I really want to make sure that we talk about two things, which Mm -hmm. is one, since you've been in remission, Mm -hmm. particularly for so long, thank God. Yeah. Uh, how you've done that. And you just started naming a few things, but I'd like to kind of look at that. And then I'd also, you know, because as I said, one of my family members was just diagnosed with Crohn's. So I would be curious what specific advice you would give to someone today, knowing that things are different Mm -hmm. uh, than when you were diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so if you could tell us those two things, one is, or touch on those two subjects. One is how you've maintained being Mm -hmm. in remission, Mm -hmm. one, and then two, what you would tell someone today who's just been diagnosed. Yeah. So how I've maintained remission, I'm not, you know, I will tell you what I've done. I think for, like I said, everyone's different. Right. So this is not, here's how you cure yourself exactly. at all. Right, it, right. Um, I moved from Boston to San Francisco with a job. 
Um, I was nervous about it, but I kind of just took control of my life. I totally modified my diet. I mean, I really made sure that I didn't have too much fiber, that I don't have too much roughage. I even at work, I never used to speak up even at, in meetings when people were ordering lunch or the pizzas that everyone was ordering and saying, hey, I can't eat that. You would just but I just put up with it? I or? would. I would just like pull the cheese off and eat the crust or whatever. <laughs> and, I, you know, I just started saying, no, I have this and I need a different meal. Um, right. Things like that. And I, I kind of just took control instead of the disease just ruling my life. I, I kind of tried to take control of it. Um. I'm always learning about it. I make sure I was exercising a lot when I first moved here. I mean, the Bay Area is great for that. So I'm not in the East Coast winter and hibernation for three, four months. Right. I'm out all the time. I joined um, some bike groups. I started biking a lot. I was meeting new people and I just felt generally happier. And the disease kind of became lower, a lower thing. It wasn't driving everything I do. It was something that was there all the time. Yeah. Um, and the surgery helped. I mean, the surgery got rid of all the disease parts. I mm, mean, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't say that it was like diet and exercise and being happy and taking control because the surgery is really what put me out of that state and that constant go to the hospital, here it comes again. And again, not saying that surgery is necessarily a solution for everyone, right. but for some people it can be. For me, I mean... And for you, it was inevitable. It had to happen that yeah. way. For me, Sounds I was like heading there no matter what. Um, and I'm still learning. So part of the advice that I'd give people is make sure you keep a food journal. Make sure you understand what is happening to you, not the next person sitting next to you. Um, look into things and take control and do your own research so that when you go to the doctors, you can ask, what about this? What about this? What about this? I mean, early on, I would bring in a piece of paper and have bullets on it and say, I read this last week. Is that true? Does this happen to me? Um, how do I prevent that? Uh, things like that. So and again, the, the theme here of, again, taking control, playing right. a very active role. Active is a good word. With your doctor, yeah. partnering with the doctor, mm -hmm. not just saying, yes, doctor, and yeah, and if you the have the right orders. doctors and they're willing to listen to you and you come in with your questions and your questions get answered, you walk out of there like, okay, got all my questions answered. And now with the, the websites and the webinars, you can attend things and you can find out more. And they have live Q&A on the webcasts that... Uh, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation put out. And, and those is, that, are is really that the good. main foundation? Because that was my other question. That's the main Crohn's one I know about. Yeah. yeah. And what about support groups? I'm presuming they have support groups. And that have you, I mean, did you join any support groups? I did. Groups? So at the beginning yeah. I did, and then I dropped them. The, um, I was starting to feel down, actually. Um, because, because hearing so many difficult experiences. Yeah, it was mentally getting me in a not a great place. So it sort of had the opposite effect. Yeah. Interesting. It yeah. did for me. Yeah. Uh, for other people, it, I, I think it might really help. Right. Just to know that there's other people out there, there's a community, and that there's other people to talk to. You're not alone in the in the and experience. Bounce things off of. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say that um, the the organization, just to make sure we get this mm. in before I forget, is the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, mm -hmm. and they they are at Crohn'sColitisFoundation org so that's another really long one not quite as long <laughs> as bob's or actually i guess it's a little longer than bob's i don't i'll have to count the numbers okay. uh, but crohn's though for the i mean i guess if you've been diagnosed you probably already know how to spell it but i'll just spell it anyway mm. c-r-o-h-a-n-s and then colitis c-o-l-i-t-i-s foundation.org the last thing i wanted to ask you is and we just again sort of touched on it but 
you know, I was a little, I didn't know if you would want to talk about your mm-hmm. story because these kinds of things are so personal, yeah. right? Especially we're talking about the intestines well, and, and we don't the like bathroom, to talk like about that. Your and you're whole in the bathroom. Life, you know, every day. Right. And so it's not something we necessarily want to talk about. But you said, you know, on Facebook to one of my posts, you responded, I'm looking forward to telling my story. Mm-hmm. And as silly as it might sound, I thought, oh, wait, it didn't even occur to me that this she could be looking forward to sharing her story. So mm-hmm. you can, can you tell me, um, you know, cause I was almost thinking it of in terms of, Oh, she's kind of doing me a favor, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, mm-hmm. Oh wait, this is actually potentially really good for her too. So can you tell me what it means and how it feels to, why it's important to tell your story and have the opportunity to tell your story? Well, and it's, you know, when you told me your nephew was diagnosed, my immediate question was, is he in the hospital? Yeah. I mean, I immediately went to that place where, oh, his intestine probably burst. He's in the hospital. Like everything I went through, um, he didn't go through. Right. And I feel really great about that. Yeah. And I, telling my story is not to make it some, uh, it was horrendous. It was this thing. But telling my story is just, you know, you can tackle this. Don't get overwhelmed. For anybody that's just been diagnosed, diagnosis is good because then you know what you have and you can move forward. Right. And it doesn't have to define you. And so I think that, you know, the older I get, I'm still learning. I'm still looking at diet. I've actually taken grains out of my diet this past six months and I feel so much better. So it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. And you learn from other people. I've been learning from people um, I have this one author of these cookbooks that I use that she has all sort of colitis and I really appreciate what she's doing with the recipes and she'll tell her story and I got a lot out of it. And so I right. thought this is the right thing to do, it's probably right. the right time mm-hmm. to do it. And I just feel for people, especially when they just get diagnosed and they're just trying to figure out what the heck is going on and what's right. their life going to be like. Right. Well, hopefully you have hoped or helped and inspired and informed a lot of people today and and when the podcast gets replayed over and over <laughs> again. And so I really appreciate you coming on. Thank and you for really having me. And I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's inspiring <laughs> to me. And like I said, hopefully it um, helps a lot of other people as well because I think regardless of what it is, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's um, Crohn's disease, whether it's, you know, you're, you're gay and you're living in a small town where there's mm-hmm. no other gay people or right. the Me Too movement, right. you're a woman or a man who's been sexually harassed and you haven't spoken up because mm-hmm. you feel isolated. Mm-hmm. I think whatever the circumstance, there's always this, we need to know we're not alone, right. whatever this struggle is that we're facing mm-hmm. and that ultimately we're all in this together as, as cliche as that might sound, mm-hmm. but I think it really helps. So. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Matt. All right. We'll talk again soon. Great.